Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Josh. We're the owners of J. Thomas Hill, and you're listening to the SME Stories Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having on the show. We got a great episode today with Emily and Josh Lord of J. Thomas Home. They are a husband and wife team. They launched J. Thomas Home out of their garage seven years ago and have grown to ship around the world. They specialize in creating custom shelves and personalized handcrafted wood pieces. They recently moved to a 22,000 square foot facility and have been featured on HGTV and will be on the Magnalia Network. We will speak to them about their business growth, e-commerce, and running a business with family. So sit back and absorb. All right, we're now doing part two with our interview with Emily and Josh Lorg of J. Thomas Homes. And we're continuing the conversation where the last question I was asking them was about the tools they kind of use for their social media. So let's continue with that interview. Yeah. And what tools do you guys use right now? Uh, mostly I'm trying to edit and post within each app like they're recommending. Um, but I love CapCut. It makes editing videos super easy and trying to get connected with later so that I can have a little free time from away from social media um, so I can schedule a few of them ahead um, and get ready for things like holidays, like Mother's Day coming up or um, when the holiday rush comes, we'll, we'll have some content ready or planning um, new product releases. Uh, what I'm focusing on right now, though, is uh, we are going to be on a television show, so I'm prepping and preparing all the posts and all the listeners where, where, where are we going to be able to see you guys <laughs> yeah we're so excited um june 6th you can tune in to bargain mansions on magnolia network so tamra day is the designer and the host um and she actually is a sneak peek don't tell anyone but um she actually designed our the main level of our home um and came to the shop and helped us make these shelves and yeah, you'll see him on the show June 6th. Nice. That's really cool. It's really exciting to hear. Yeah. Be, I'm talking to TV stars. Look at that, guys. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's go into the quick industry here. Let's talk about the industry. So how would you kind of see the woodworking or even custom woodworking industry right now? And where do you see the direction going? Yeah, I like it. Um, I think our niche is great. Our uh, kind of custom skews. Uh, that we're direct consumer shipping out. The woodworking industry is similar to the construction industry in that it can be boom or bust, right? So for the last 10 years or so, it's been pretty strong, especially the last few in construction and in cabinetry. However, in 2008, cabinetry fell through the floor. Um, if you remember all that stuff, right, with kind of the yes. financial crisis, at least in the U.S. And I honestly, I don't know in Canada um, if they it, experienced some it of the hit same it, stuff. But not as much. It did hit it, but not okay. as much. Okay. So, in, yeah, in the U.S. with the 2008-2009 financial crisis, the cabinetry, you know, they laid off people and, and a lot of shops shut down. So it's very, it can be very boomer bust. That's what I like about ours is that it's a little more steady state not quite as much drastic fluctuations. Um, obviously, there's some seasonality to it. We're busier in the fall um, in the winter than the spring and summer when, but that's just retail in general. Uh, when people are 
spring and summer, or they can be outside. They're spending a little less time shopping than in the fall and winter. So um, there is definitely seasonality to it, but it's, yeah, not nearly as dramatic um, on the macro level. Okay. No, that's pretty cool. And, and so is there, are there any, I guess, common misconceptions people may have about the woodworking industry that you read that they'd be surprised to know? It's harder to finish shelves or finish uh, wood products than you would think. That makes sense. Um, so no two are going to be the same. Okay. All the lumber is going to be different, right? So different trees are soak up different minerals, may have slight different tense hues to them. Some may be uh, white oak. It may be a little more tan. It may be a little more blonde. It may be just a touch more yellow, just depending on the lumber. Um, so if you order shelves this week and then you order shelves in a month, they may not perfectly match, right? So we, we do all orders we make together so that they match as well as possible. But if you place two separate orders sometime apart, um, kind of like tile, right? You want to buy all your tile for your, and a little bit extra for your tub or your shower, uh, all at one time so that you don't have to try to batch match, right? Cause you never will. And then the subtle vari variances, um, will stand out. And it's kind of similar when you're finishing wood, even if you use the same piece of wood, same can of stain, if you were to stain that piece of wood on two different days, it'll be two different colors. Just depending on the humidity, temperature, uh, and just whatever's in the air, they will be slightly different colors. Just like the porcelain tile, they're making the same tile with the same powder and two different days, it's slightly different. So interesting. just so people kind of understand that it's a little bit of an art, a little bit of a science <laughs> and uh, it's handmade, right? Yeah. So it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to show some signs of being handmade. Nice. No, it's, it's good to hear. So all right, let me ask you this then. So you guys have been doing this for a few years. What has been your biggest failure, but also your biggest success so far? Yeah. Well, one, this might not be what you think is our okay. biggest success. <laughs> one thing, um, just how we creatively thought about a set of our products. Um, we used to have the more industrial pipe shelving um, and we had a single shelf with just the two brackets underneath. And then separately, we had a towel bar shelf. And we sold quite a bit of each individually, but a lot of times people would buy one of each so that they could hang them in their bathroom as a set. So all I did was I took a picture of it together as a set, same products that we had, and then we sold it as a set of two. Um, we... We made so many of those towel bar sets. So just in terms of success, um, leaning into <laughs> the products that are doing well and finding more creative ways to reach more people with those. Nice. All right. But about the biggest failure, though, because otherwise when people hear these stories, they're like, oh, well, Josh and Emily had it such so easy. So that means I can do it, too. It was so easy. <laughs> it, was, it was the easiest thing ever, Ken. <laughs> um, so our probably our biggest struggle and continues to be one of our biggest struggles so i'll rack it up as a failure is uh just lack of long-term strategic planning so being a small business and knowing that each um march or so we're going to be a little bit slower planning for that in the fall because the problem is we're small and so we're really really busy in the fall 
and we don't necessarily have time to plan, develop a new product, come up with a new idea to launch in February to uh, kind of save off some of that slow period, right? So then it comes, we're busy, 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 kind of whirlwind, head in it. And then February comes and we're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Slowing down. Slowing down. Yes. So, uh, let's get something. Let's, you know, what do we need to figure out? Do we need to get on, uh, do some more social media? Do we need to get any products out there? And it's just that long-term strategic planning that we lack and just don't devote enough time to throughout the weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can call it here, especially from just to touch back on the social media piece. People would think that uh, social media, oh, it's easy, right? You just, was a picture, a video, just, just, just post something. And then, because I remember, you know, when you're on Instagram or Facebook or other, other social media platforms, and you see what, pe- and you see those people that post almost every day, multiple times a day, I'm thinking, how much content could they possibly do? And mm-hmm. why, why do they keep talking about vacations? How are they doing all this stuff? But I guess one of the best things, obviously, are those scheduled social media posting things, right? Where you can sync up all your accounts. You can take one piece of content and spread it amongst all of them. But you can also schedule so when it comes out. So, you know, you could if you just spend like a, a couple of hours or something, you could have almost a month's worth of social media posts ready to go, which I think is a great tip for it. Because, uh, I mean, I hire someone to do that for me because I don't, I don't know how. And I got, a, I got him on a great deal as well. But... Uh, he does do videos and services as well. So let me know if you guys are interested in that. But, um, interested. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things that, you know, social media people are like those managers or whatever. They make, they, they charge a lot. So that's why, and for something that you think is simple, but there's more to it than that, right? But anyways, enough mm-hmm. on that social media piece here. Now it's time for tips from the pro. <laughs> Uh, so let's get, let's talk for our tips from the pro segment here. So this is a segment where we have aspiring woodworkers that maybe want to start their own thing, and uh, you can just opine on your view on uh, you know give them some advice to I guess avoid the landmines that everyone likes to step on when we first as all business owners do you make a we make a ton of mistakes so how to minimize that so okay so question number one are there certain niches within the woodworking space that you actually think are be a great starter for someone who wants to get into it. Cutting boards or the two I think, I think uh, yeah, that's probably the most saturated thing. Uh, but cutting boards are about the easiest thing that you could make that's a product that people want, but it's super high competition. And then unbox un- un- that a little bit. We mean cutting boards. You mean like if someone said they want to have a, they want to like two by fours for like studying, like rough carpentry? No. Uh, so typically you want to make cutting boards out of one or two, one of two woods, like domestically in the U.S. and Canada anyways. Um, cause you'll see bamboo ones from other countries, but typically it's going to be hard maple or walnut are the two main domestic hardwood okay. cutting boards. Okay. So that's one of the, e- that's one of the easier ones. I guess a good starter one, right? Cause if some people think, oh, maybe I can start building custom saunas. Uh, I don't know about that <laughs> to be your first, unless that's, unless you really want to do custom saunas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I would say cutting boards are about as easy as it could possibly get. Yeah. Cause you can make them your own. There's different grain, different ways you can lay out the pieces. You can do them all in one long sheet or you can do, um, in grain. Like a checker board. Yeah. With the end grain. Um, so 
the goal would be to just kind of find a way that you can stand out or be unique with it. If it's, if you have a glow forge or something that you can engrave pictures on it or uh, maybe find a very unique way to make the handle something that you can put your own spin on that makes it unique. Interesting. So, and so the next question is like, how big should my portfolio be before I start really marketing it to clients? Right. So before most people start these things because, you know, it's a passion that they just do for themselves. Like, oh, I got to make a new chair or I'm going to make some shelves for my house. So mm-hmm. when should you see, like, how much, how big should a portfolio be before you, because people are, are, are afraid to start to market because they're like, well, if I don't have a lot of, let's say, paying clients or anything or any pieces that like that, I might, they might think of me as just some newbie that they're not going to want to spend money on. So how do I counteract that? I mean, I've been seeing more and more companies just building a website around one product. Um, that's a little more trend trendy right now. Um, that'll only last you for so long. So you're going to want to have more coming down the pipeline. Um, but I, I wouldn't be afraid to at least get started with one. And then um, you can find out what they like about it, what you can improve. And then you can make the next one from that even bigger and better than the first one. Yeah, and I, and I guess you said take pictures and post them on social media, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Solid. That's a big one. I would say you probably want to start with what your goals are. How big, like, what do you want to do with this business? Is this business something that's going to be scalable to a certain level? Or are you looking to kind of scratch out a living? Um, where do you want this to fall? Do you want to have employees? Do you want it to just be your own deal? Do you want it to be a part-time side hustle? Or do you want it to be a full-time gig? So you kind of need to outline where you want this this to take you. No, that's great. That'll steer some of that direction because, and you're going to be cheap in the beginning, right? You're just going to be happy that someone is paying you to do, <laughs> you know, your craft. So you're just going to be excited about that, and then you'll get more and more clients, and you'll be able to charge a little bit more of a premium. But you're probably going to be cheap, right, to start. You're going to be the 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 budget more the budget option. Yeah. So in that vein, if you can have another product that is similar to your first one, so you're using the same tools, the same, um, I mean, piece of wood, so you can utilize the full length of wood, you're not wasting anything. Um, something, something similar that helps. Interesting. No, that, that's good to hear. Um, so what about this? So what do you find as trendy but probably doesn't have the staying power. And I'll use the example of, and I think I remember a few years ago, we had those fidget spinners. I don't know if you guys ever saw yeah. those fidget spinners. Or in my kid's case, because I have a couple of young kids with my wife, Mrs. K, those shirts that flip up and down with like the, with the I call them flippy shirts. Mm-hmm. But do you see anything like that in the woodworking space that maybe for newer ones to say, maybe don't do it or be cautious if you were to try to go with a trend? I don't know, let's try Aside from oh, the spinning yeah. toilet seat that we talked about already. Yeah, spinning <laughs> toilet seats are going to be here and be around. Uh, oh. I have seen these little tiny succulent shelves. So I don't know how long the succulent trend will go. Yeah. But it's literally like a two by three piece of wood you just screw into your wall and you can make little different designs with your succulents on them, um, which is pretty cute. But. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how much you can charge for those and how long that would last. (laughs) 
That's an interesting one. I've never heard of succulent things. I keep to think of succulent shelves. Succulent shelves. Yeah. I mean, no bigger than a note card. Really? You just, uh-huh. Wow. One little peg you put in the wall and it holds up your little succulent. <laughs> Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That's northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Never in my life in my podcast have we said the word succulent so many times. <laughs> One podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but no, no so avoid succulents at this point or just start with it. And just make sure you have something else lined up for it. Right. Yeah, you can yeah. get it going. Yeah. All right. What it's is no the last forever? Yeah. <laughs> what is the la- what is the first big piece of equipment that a worker should get? Big piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How big is big? <laughs> well, let's say the <laughs> one budget. Like, let's just walk through first. Yeah. So, like, think about think think about how you started as a woodworker. I'm sure you yeah. had certain pieces of equipment or for certain tools. And then you, you decide to invest in, let's say, the first bigger purchase that is more expensive than any of your tools put together. Like, what would you recommend be the first one you would suggest? Yeah, so I, there's probably levels to it. Um, Break down the levels too. First, <laughs> yep, when I was first starting, the most expensive thing we bought was the cleaner. Mm-hmm. And it was probably four grand. Uh, but that was, that was a step up for us, for sure. So we've been using basically contractor grade tools and then we bought a, a nice 20 inch, you know, five horsepower planer and those around four grand, um, you know, ran on 220. So we had to run a special service for it. Um, so that was probably our first, first expensive tool for us. Um, dust collection. I mean, dust collection is obviously important, but we kind of, you know, tried to do that as affordably as possible, especially in the beginning. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, probably the nicest thing, like expensive tool that we have would be a wide belt sander. I uh, just can't, can't live without it. So no, I would say that was a home run when we got it. <laughs> and, and just, just to backtrack just for a quick second there. So for, for those who aren't, woodworkers yet and just for the average listener what's a planer so explain to them what that does that's going to be kind of figured out and say like like you said a belt sander yeah that just explain to some listeners what the planer is yep a planer just removes wood so basically it will surface one side of a board and adjust the thickness of it so it's a spinning set of blades and it won't make a board flat it won't do any of that, but it will service it and make it clean uh, if it's rough. And then it will also be, let you get it down to the proper thickness that you need it to, at least roughly. Okay. Oh, so planer, and then you said the sander and the dust collection. Those seems to be like the biggest ones that you're talking about. That's great. Um, okay. And the last question we have on the tips of the throw before we hit the rapid fire round here is, what is your best strategy on dealing with difficult clients? And maybe you could say even sometimes difficult staff. Oh, well, difficult clients. Uh, Josh is really a big proponent. If you can get them on the phone, that tends to be a lot easier. Tons of what I do is just answering messages. So it's either an email or somebody's clicked message us on Etsy. Um, so things can just get misinterpreted via text. 
Um, if you can get them on the phone and just um, hear them out, try to offer at least two options so they feel like they have some sort of control in the situation. Um, and we always obviously try to make the best and fair decision. Um, if something they got got damaged or whatever it is, um, we just try and take really good care of our customers from there. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. Um, it's really, really hard because the negative things stand out more than the positive things in your mind. You can get a hundred positive comments, one negative one's gonna stand out more than the hundred positive comments. So it's mm -hmm. tough uh, to stay positive, but always try to put yourself in the customer's shoes, kill them with kindness. Um, you know, you may lose that battle, goals to win the war. So, you know, do no. your best to make every customer a raving fanatic. There you go. Goal. I like you're not going to do it every time, if, but if that's your goal and your intention, you'll you'll be fine. Like you'll do well. Nice. All right. Well, no, that's great to hear because it's nice to hear about that. And I think one of my previous guests, uh, Eugene Ponell, he's actually a sculptor who actually designed mascots. That's actually not a bad episode if you guys listen to that one. He has a lot of funny stories, and I grew up with him. Actually, we were like ten days apart, so okay. we've known each other for that long. And he's a successful, you know, sculptor. He's actually done mascots. He's done mascots for the UFC for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, maybe not Toronto Raptors, but yeah, he's done a lot of stuff and he means <laughs> stuff for Disney. So, sure. but uh, he does, he made this big sculpture. He made a sculptured lizard out of cheese. I think it was cheese. And he had okay. it displayed in a grocery store and I'm like, ah, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It looks exactly <laughs> like it. But anyways, aside from that, let's get to some more fun stuff. I know we were talking a lot of business stuff and stuff like yeah. that. So we'll hit the rapid fire around here. Oh, so you know what? Last tip, actually, before. What is your best work-life balancing act? So how would you do it? Because, I mean, the fact that you guys are, are together is, 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 is amazing because I know that my wife, Mrs. K, and I, if we ever tried to get into business together, I joke that that would expedite our divorce because we yep. basically try to strangle each other. So how do you guys find it working together and to make it last as long as it has? <laughs> We know what lanes to stay in. Um, we, I kind of have certain things that I handle and Josh has certain things he handles. Um, and we have had to learn how to communicate, even over communicate, um, and are still learning that to this day. Uh, but it's tough if there's too many cooks in the kitchen. We are both business owners, so we both have ideas for the company. Um, it's called J. Thomas Home, but I am an equal partner and we started this together and um, we we have to find ways to uh, hear each other's ideas and lean on each other when um, we need help and trust the other one to lead well in their areas of expertise. We kind of each have our own areas that we're super good at. So we lean into that. Nice. Any, any, any thoughts from you, Josh? Yeah, I, all of that's awesome. Uh, the other thing is just try to come up with a schedule where you maybe aren't both in the office always at the exact same time. Like give each other a little bit of space sometimes. Uh, I think that's that's really helpful too. Yeah, no, that, that, that's great. I used to be a personal trainer back in the day too. And my wife was a physio, my wife is a physiotherapist. So, so I had family members that said, hey, Ken, why don't you just, break them and she fixes them up and i'm like that's a horrible business model who would want to come to me if i'm just going to try to break them that doesn't make any sense but <laughs> anyways all right
Now it's time for the rapid-fire round. So we'll do the rapid-fire round now. Uh, so <laughs> quick questions and see how well you guys do. Okay. Funniest story thus far running your business? Sewer. Um, <laughs> Sewer? Our, the building that we bought that we are currently in um, was a big tin can, and a man just had his, like, old cars and collections in it he passed away cleaned it out um but it was 20 years old anyway no one had been really using the facilities regularly for years and years and years um so we bought it started using the facilities and quickly realized they were backing up about four months in after buying our building um, so Josh goes down the street and rents an excavator and is digging around trying to find that there's maybe a break or a crack somewhere in the plumbing. Um, and it turns out our sewer line is 250 feet to the street and was never connected, reconnected oh. during a renovation project the city did 20 some years before. So we've just been going to the restroom. Um, so if you want to know how long it takes to fill up a 250-foot <laughs> pipe, it's about four months. About 10 <laughs> so, about 10 staff. So, wow. yes, the bathroom was not nice. It was, a, it, like Emily said, it was just used for his storage. And, I mean, the bathroom door barely shut. And, yeah, when the city replaced the main line about 20 years ago, they never hooked our lateral back up to the main line. Oh my so God. it was just sitting there right next to the main line. And Emily and I got the excavator. We dug down like 12 feet. I figured it would have, we would have found something by there. Uh, but yes, we were 12 foot down in a hole filled with poop. And uh, that's when we called the professor. We uh, <laughs> wondered what we were doing and uh, I, called a plumber. I don't know that I've cried more than that day, standing in a 10 foot hole, <laughs> staring at the Josh saying, can we be done yet? And he's like, just keep going. Well, keep going. There. <laughs> like shoveling in sticky, dirty, muddy clay in the hot, I think it was July. Just mm. terrible. Did it's you guys have to now? Did you have to now pay for that or did the city have to pay for it? City paid for it. Oh my God. Thank they goodness. Did. Yeah, they ultimately did. Um, you have to file a court claim with yes. them and you know go through the process but yes they recouped all of our our expenses and all that because it was ultimately yes it should have been reconnected when they did that project oh boy every other every other one down the down Everybody the, else. yes so our neighbors let us use the restroom for like two months while we were getting everything repaired so wow Check the plumbing, I guess, if you're going to be starting your own thing, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Next question. What would the 15-year-old self be thinking you'd be doing now? Yeah, I, I mean, I was about 15, but in college, I mean, we went to the University of Kansas. Um, we met in the business school, um, so I had full intentions. I studied marketing and international business. Um, I studied abroad once um, during the summer. So I just, I had full intentions of being uh, in the marketing realm in the corner office, not in the woodshop as a carpenter. <laughs> okay. Josh, how about yourself? I think nonprofit was the direction I was oh, headed. Oh, nonprofit. Yeah. Nice. 
<laughs> Josh, what about you? What did you think? Yeah, you I graduated with finance and entrepreneurship. Um, I didn't necessarily know woodworking, but definitely some sort of business that I own and operate. Um, yeah, woodworking, I would not have guessed probably, but I do like to make things. That's something I enjoy is just building things, making things. Uh, and Emily jokes that I truly started this business just to buy things, buy tools. So, that's the only reason that she's still so she's to this day. That's the story she's sticking that's with. That's what it. she. Well, I think that's, we what, that's what she believes in her work. Yeah, we have a three D printer. Oh, we have a welding shop. We have lasers. We have lots of saws. <laughs> More saws and chisels and everything. So yes. Well, that, that the episode I was just talking about, like like my friend Eugene there, who does this, like his sculpting. He was basically saying like he is always on Home Depot just for like tools. It doesn't have to be for you know, wood and stuff like that. But he says, if you find something that you can justify using it, just get it. Yeah. Right. Especially yes. if it makes sense. Right. And, and so it makes I forgot the job to, easier. Yeah. I forgot this. Where do you guys source your, your lumber? Yep. We get it uh, from a local Liberty Hardwoods, a local uh, lumber and domestic and exotic wood distributor here in Kansas. Yeah. Any tips about when people are actually looking for wood from a more of a commercial side where, you know, you're not just the person that's just going to be buying wood to, you know, just to do a little project here or do a little renovation. Now you're doing it from a business perspective. Is there any tips that uh, someone who's trying to go to like a, a supplier like this should look out should look out for? I they've been great, um, and I don't know. They do have a retail arm as well, so that an end consumer could get access to a lot of the same materials. Um, no, I don't think so. N- nothing too major. Just. Do your research in terms of your cost. Make sure that they're competitive. Call around. Work with a few. Make sure they're easy to work with. Um, ask about their quality standards so that you know what quality the board's supposed to look like when you get it. Uh, they have a bunch of. There's a bunch of terminology for how the board is surfaced, what thickness it is, what grade it is, what that grade means for different wood species. So just make sure you're getting what you paid for. Because um, there's a lot of lingo and a lot of jargon. Uh, everyone we've always worked for has been patient and explained it, walked us through it. And, you know, if something was not to the quality that it's supposed to be, they obviously took it back. And Okay. So, yeah, we haven't run into any issues there, but there is a little bit of a learning curve for sure with, uh, you know, trying to figure out all the different lumber yeah, I mean, I can... we we used to, every Sunday, we would go to Menards and we would pick the boards out every week for the shelves that we're making. Um, and that was much smaller scale. So we just throw them in the back of the Tahoe. Uh, but that helped us learn that quality that he's talking about and exactly what we need for the quality of our shelves. Yeah, it's very that was Menards, right? So that was just softwoods, kind of like uh, common boards or uh, dimensional lumber. And that was great until, I mean, I, it's not, it doesn't get as cold here as it does in Canada, but there are uh, cold days and we had times when we had a sledgehammer the wood apart because it was all frozen together. Oh my God. Yep. So we were out there sledgehammering all the boards apart to see if they would be quality, <laughs> good enough quality to make a shelf out of and then they'd melt and sledgehammer yeah. approved that's all you gotta think about so <laughs> all right next question we're almost done i know it's a surprise we're, we're over an hour i'm just gonna try to finish I know, it really quick, quick but it flies <laughs> by but anyways what are your guilty pleasures guilty pleasures mm-hmm. yeah. mine's food 
So if I had one like extravagant thing or one thing that I would spend money on, um, it would be going out to eat with people that I enjoy spending time with. Um, and so I like good food and I like spicy food. I do like spicy food as well, but I, but I enjoy, you know, eating meals and eating out with people. I'm playing boring. I'm like super boring. I'm super boring. No, no, no. That's shopper or you really don't like shopping for things. So there's nothing. Her extravagant expense would be children's birthday cakes. That's true. She spends an outrageous money on child children. That is true. Oh. I love celebrating. We have two kids. Um, Penelope's five. Jackson's two. And yeah, I like having fun birthday cakes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> we had frozen one with the doll and the dress. Um, we had Daniel Tiger with the whole little neighborhood and his house. So wow. yeah, I'm trying to make it fun for them. And it has to be, are you, the problem is when you have one good cake, I feel like you almost have to level up every single year. That's the problem, right? right? Where, yep. but, uh, <laughs> Where do I go from here? Just more balloons. That seems to me like, <laughs> what that's is, what I'm doing now is just more balloons. Linda, <laughs> more balloons. And sorry, Josh, <laughs> let me ask you this though. What's your favorite restaurant? You said you like eating out. What's your favorite one? Oh, so... Let's see. This one, you, you know, know like a chain one that I really like uh, was Fogo de Chow. Uh, I enjoyed that one a lot. And I know it's a chain <laughs> restaurant. Uh, it's a chain restaurant, at least in the U.S. Um, it's kind of a Brazilian steakhouse. Oh. So green wow. card, flip it over, bring it around. Oh, um, I love those. The more there's amazing. <laughs> the big meats so, that are just hanging there. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they slice it off. Yeah, so I like that one a lot. Uh, locally, Kansas City is known for its barbecue and has really good good barbecue. Um, so right by the house, we have a Jack Stack and a Joe's Kansas City barbecue that are that are really really good. Wow, that's pretty cool. All right, now last two last question. Obviously, it's related to food because I always like to ask this to all my guests. If you were to have a sandwich named after you, what would be on it? What would it be called? Uh, what would be on it? Um, I like. Turkey, tomato, avocado, lettuce, and that's pretty much it. Maybe some a light ranch dressing, but that's about it. What so I'm bread? like a turkey wrap girl. So it's a wrap? So you're going to... Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And what'd you call it? Oh, you don't know. <laughs> the Emily? My nipple was like Emily's turkey wrap. Yeah, Emily's really turkey wrap. Really creative. <laughs> We're marketing with. Yeah, I know. This is why I don't do social media. <laughs> All right, Josh, what about yourself? All right, so there's a local sandwich place called Mr. Goodsense. I like their penny club, um, which is roast beef, ham, turkey, onions, cheddar cheese, uh, you know, all the, all the normal stuff. Uh, jalapenos, pickles, onions. I'd probably call it the penny club. The, no. the, the penny what? The penny club. The penny club. Okay. Love it. So that's, but that's the one I really, that's probably my favorite sandwich. Yeah. No, that, that, that's great. Um, the ones who have a hard time with this one is when I, when I interview chefs. For some reason, they overthink everything and they don't know what to say. <laughs> and they're, they're very specific with it. And, oh, man, you should see the conversation I have there. Okay. Last question, guys. <laughs> what is your theme song and why? So that song hits. You're walking down the street. When that song plays, people know that you guys are there. Ooh, that's a very good question. What was the one 
golden thread. That's a firm thread. Golden? Uh-huh. Uh, what is that song? I don't know. Emily had this one on a social media post. It was, I don't know if you remember Jurassic 5, probably from the 90s or early 2000s. Um, but I think it's called What's Golden. Mm-hmm. Okay. So but that's not our theme song. Okay. That was just one that played yesterday. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's cool. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I'm a 90s alternative and rap kind of guy. Okay. I like country. Yeah, I know. I like country too, but yeah, I'd say. Still waiting for the song, guys. Listeners are waiting. Yeah. They want to hear it. We got to have a song. No, no. There is one. I should know the name of it. I sh- will have to look this up and tell you. Um, but on YouTube, there's a video that we have. It kind of shows us walking away from our shop. Um, and then it reverses and it says, like, we didn't start here at this huge building with Jay Thomas home. We started in our house. And it shows pictures of us rapping. And um, it's, it just is like start right now. And I think that is, I think that's representative of um, just entrepreneurs in general. But for us, um, that's a big part of owning your own business is any aspect that you're working on, never done it before. You just have to start. Just today, do one thing towards it. So um, I can't remember the artist's name, but it's called Start Right Now. So. All right now. All right. There you go. Great. Start right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that you've just finished my last question where I said any other final advice for aspiring business owners? You just oh. you just gave it all over there. So all right. <laughs> last question, guys. Where can people find you and how can they reach out to you? Sure. Um come take a look at all the shelves and stove top covers on our website, jthomascomb.com. We just revamped it, so we'd love to see you guys there. Um, and then follow us on Instagram. It's J Thomas Home Goods on Instagram. So, yep, shipping to Canada soon. <laughs> Duties and taxes paid. All right, <laughs> there you go. All right, guys, thanks for being on the show. It was an awesome, it was an awesome episode. Yeah, thank, thank you very much, Ken. Yeah. Oh, right. do we have uh, we have a discount for listeners? Oh, you want. sure. Let's hear it. <laughs> Are you ready for it? I'm ready for it. Really creative, also. Can 10. Can 10. Can 10. com. Get you 10% off your shelf orders for wow. your Ken's listeners. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcriptions that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. J. Thomas Home started in our garage in 2016. We would get up at 4 a.m. to cut, sand, and stain shelves before going to our real jobs. After work, we packaged and loaded up the orders, getting them to UPS before they closed at 9. Then we answered customer questions until 11 or 12, and then went to bed. We didn't get a lot of sleep. Our grandparents and parents even helped us on the weekends to make sure that we were getting all the orders completed on time. That's when we knew we had to go all in. So what makes J. Thomas Home special? Everything is made to order, so you'll get a piece built for your space 
And we create those custom pieces with the highest quality, with award-winning customer service, for residential and commercial projects, large to small, to help your space stand out. We'll design for function and beauty, bringing your vision to life. Backed by experience and our skilled team. Contact J. Thomas Home today to schedule an appointment. Think handcrafted. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.